Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Well, welcome once again to Freedom to Choose in our series, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? And if you're keeping score at home, it's program 11 in this series. And uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're doing uh, with our workbook that we're going through here, Could It Be This Simple? And uh, we're giving some away, aren't we? Yes, we are. So if you'd like to get a copy free, uh, we uh, just let us know. Give us a call or email us. You can call us at 916 916- Six four five one two nine seven, and leave a message if we don't answer, and we'll mail a copy out to you or several copies, whatever, whatever anybody needs. Yeah, very good. Uh, Susan, would you begin the program with a word of prayer for us yes. today? Yes, our heavenly Father, we thank you once again for um, another opportunity to talk about how you designed life and and uh, the principles upon which you um, desire everyone to partake of, and, and we just ask now that you will send your spirit to be with us as we discuss those principles, and um, just help us to learn to know you more, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, God is working to heal everyone, and, and today we want to talk a little bit about um, course correcting and correcting, uh, making sure that, you know, we stay, because we're all recovering from sin in some way, shape, or form, and some of us are recovering from addictive lifestyles and um, and this type of stuff and understanding the closer we get to Jesus, how infected with fear and selfishness we really are and that we really need to be healed and, you know. Um, right, because I think that there's a lot of, um, of different... Um, symptoms of that disease of fear and selfishness yeah, yeah. that um, can manifest its way um, in different um, ways in everybody's life. And so yeah. God is God desires to heal us from that completely, not just to cover it up or to run from it, but to actually um, heal us and, and save us from yeah. destruction. You know, and it's kind of like uh, when we get involved with God and we get involved with the healing process and we understand that that's what he wants for us, it's, it's kind of like plotting a course if, if you're sailing and you want to plot, plot a course for Hawaii, let's say, and you, and, and you get uh, all your coordinates down and you study the maps and you plot your course and you got the right, uh, you, you got the right coordinates in there and, and you're heading that way, but, but almost hourly you have to continue to watch and course correct because the tide will move you off course the winds will move you off course. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sometimes us looking at something other than what we're supposed to be looking at will draw us off course. And I think that's the way it is with our walk with Jesus. We have to, con- we, you know, we're plot- we, we plot a course. We, we know that we want to be closer to him, but constantly we need, to, we need to take a look at ourselves and say, hey, 
You know, what are my motives? What, what am I, am, am I being selfish? Am I being fearful? Am I close to God? Or do I need to get the clutter out between God and I? What's, what's going on? And, and can I even do that? Or am I even willing to do that? Right. Or are you willing to participate in the process that God has designed to to help us? Because many times those the winds and the waves come from things that are out of our control. Yeah. So there's events that happen in our life that will ca- that will cause us to either, um, you know, want to push to be pushed away from God or in just in the wrong direction. And so it's sometimes an all day thing yeah. to. A minute-by-minute minute sometimes. Right. You know, and I found also that uh, as I've grown, I've learned that spiritual growth doesn't come by an accumulation of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It comes by subtraction. It comes by the, um, the willingness to get self out of the way, the willingness to say that, um, you know, I may have to lay aside some of those things that I knew for sure were right. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I know this, and if and and maybe sometimes those things have to be laid aside. Maybe sometimes uh, a part of self of me has to be laid aside that I don't want to let go. Uh, one of the things I had to lay aside was that, in my mind, God was a God with a clipboard, and He was following me around, and He was writing down everything that I was doing wrong. And I, as long as you've got a God like that. That's following you. Picture yourself driving down the road, and even though you've done nothing wrong, there's a policeman behind you, mm-hmm. and he's following you. And you make a left turn, and he makes a left turn, and you make a right turn, and he makes a right turn. And now, now all of a sudden, you're instead of thinking and enjoying your ride, you're thinking, "Is my registration in the glove box? Is my driver's license current? Is uh, did break, I just, are my brake lights are my brake lights working? <laughs> uh, it, right. Did I just turn my turn signal on? How fast am I going? And all of a sudden, your experience of simply driving down the road becomes a miserable experience because even though he's not a threat, there he is, mm-hmm. and he's right behind you, and he could be watching you for anything you're going to do wrong. And see, once we have a God like that, it becomes a very legalistic, very scary almost Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and this turns God into a Santa Claus. In other words, if I'm good, he's going to reward me. If I'm bad, I'm going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the Santa Claus God. Well, I found in my life that I have a terminal illness, that I'm, I'm sick, mm-hmm. and I'm sick and infected, infected with fear and selfishness, and I'm out of harmony with the way God operates and with the way, the way he got, runs his universe. And if I'm out of harmony with that, then I'm in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I need to come out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Remember we moved the other day, we moved your blueberry... Okay, we have a, we have a blueberry. She calls it the blueberry palace. It's my blueberry palace. And, and we and so we've got like I don't know ten or twelve big buckets of these blueberry plants, and they're they're four or five feet tall, and they produce really well. But they're in this like this cage to keep the birds and the squirrels keep, yeah. and the deer from eating them up. Yeah, so we got to keep them out. And so we wanted to move that to another location on our property. And when I did, I got it out of there. Now it was fairly warm that day and we got it out of there and we looked down on the ground and there's these beautiful big mushrooms that had been growing there in the darkness but what do you suppose happened after they were exposed to two or three hours of the sunlight 
at 95 degrees. They shriveled up and they died. They shriveled up and died because <laughs> they were now out of harmony with the brightness. See, and see, God's marvelous light is the same way. If we want to live in darkness and then all of a sudden want to live with him, it'll be too bright for us. Mm-hmm. We need to come into that light day mm-hmm. by day by course correcting and being able to, by subtraction, be able to way to chip away at those bad character traits. And you can be in the church and be lost, mm-hmm. or you can be out of the church and be saved when we understand that we have this ter- terminal il- illness because it's whether we want to live in the darkness or not. Absolutely. and and But I love the way that God um, has his master plan, and I, you know, I don't even begin to um, think that I understand it. All I know is that I've been re- a recipient of of his healing power, and I think a lot of it was unbeknownst to me. Yeah, you know, we we both of us had a had a life that was pretty dark and yeah. uh, desperate, especially towards the like the last ten years of our addiction. And um, it, it's interesting to note that and to recognize that truth heals, regardless of whether or not someone believes in God, because the Holy Spirit is striving for healing even those who have not. Even even if they don't even believe in God, so God's Holy Spirit um, brings His methods and principles to our understanding. And if those who don't believe in Him will follow the truth that they do comprehend, then healing results, and they become healthier and healthier in proportion to what they understand and practice. So living up to the light that they currently have, absolutely. And eventually, the truth will lead them to God, because. Um, for, and he provides healing and restoration, complete healing and restoration. Yes, yeah, that's what his business is, is right. the healing and the restoration. And so, and uh, I truly believe that it's different for everybody. It's just, you know, we've said it on the program before, you know, we get calls, my son or daughter has, you know, just been arrested and they're in jail. And a lot of, you know, the majority of the time we say that is like the best news that I've heard. Because I don't know about Rich, but for me, I was incapable of making the decision on my own to stop. And so I do believe that because of my actions, consequences followed through, I ended up in jail over and over and over again. And finally, it got I through stopped. To you. Yeah. yeah, finally, finally I, I, was, I allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and to, you know, to let me know that so there was, was a way a, to be saved. So he didn't all of a sudden show up one day. He was knocking at the door the whole time. Absolutely. It was a you problem, not a Holy Spirit problem. Oh. And yeah. so he's going to I mean he's going to come he's going to he's going to come up on the shore from a fi- from out of the mouth of a fish like Jonah was. Mm-hmm. Why did he come up on the shore out of the mouth of the fish? Everything about that? Jonah? Jonah. Mm-hmm. Is because they were worship worshiping Dagon the fish god. And right. so God knew that those pagans worshiping a fish god weren't going to hear a prophet of the Lord unless he did something. Mm-hmm. So he can you imagine that? They're all running back to town saying a fish just vomited this guy up on it we better listen to him and so this way here god god will speak to you in your language he will do whatever it takes to get to you you know and and then he'll move you on you know leaving leaving us leading us as we move forward with the light that we already have he'll he'll give us more and more right you know because god is the master of the universe he um can use all different ways to, do... to speak to us and i know that um that uh paul's talks about well yeah i mean and this is there's definitely paul in 
we can use the stories, but Paul blatantly tells us, he says in Romans chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared rightness, righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, in other words, they don't read the Bible, do by nature required by the law, they, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. In other words, these people are moved by what's right and what's wrong, by the Holy Spirit's actions, by what they see around them, and they're doing God is getting to them. Right, because Paul is letting us know that that God is working to heal everyone's Everybody. mind. Right. And so um, even people who haven't heard the truth as we read it in Scripture, but understand those principles of love and liberty as it's demonstrated in nature. And once they hear those and understand those principles, they can incorporate them into their lives, and they are actually cooperating with God for the healing of their minds. The Lord is restoring his image within them and considers them his children. Sure. I mean, and if you think about um, uh, running running parallels or, or, or whatever to these principles, I mean, the mind is like a garden. We've talked about it before. Imagine you have a garden and you've faithfully tended it, and now it produces a great harvest. What will happen to your garden if you stop cultivating it? Will it continue to bear good fruit? Or will weeds eventually destroy it? Absolutely. You know, and it's the same way with our minds. Uh, naturally, our minds will, will grow those weeds yeah. of selfish thoughts, self, you know, selfish ideas and conceptions. And it's Christ who works through the Holy Spirit to plant the seeds of truth in our minds. He will then nurture and protect the seeds and enable them to grow into fruits that are uh, Christ-like in character. And by using the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the truth— we weed our minds, uprooting lies and false theories that keep us captive and thus allow us instead to maintain a healthy and productive mental garden. And you know what? This is the good news of the gospel. This is it. That through everything, God is seeking to heal and to restore humanity. And that means every single person that is on the face of the earth. Yeah, it didn't matter to Jesus whether you were a woman, a Pharisee, a beggar, or a tax collector. He didn't check ID cards. He went to Nicodemus and told him, you know, one qualification, need a new heart and a right spirit. Right. Let the woman... He let the woman anoint him for his burial when it wasn't even proper for her to sit in the front row at that meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, and he went... And he healed the beggars. Right. And you weren't supposed to touch a leper. And he touched him anyway, and he healed him. And he wasn't supposed to talk to that Samaritan woman at the well, according to the disciples. Right. But he did. He went to everybody. He doesn't look for—are you a card carrier? If you're not, I can't heal you. Right. He didn't look for that. He, he came to show that this is what—if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what God is interested in. Sin happens in people. It's not just something written in books. And I've come to heal people. Right. I've come to heal your mind. I've come to heal you, make you well. Are you, do you, are you willing to be made well? What is it you want? Right. And see, that's the fantastic thing is that um, we as human beings get to participate 
in the um, in that atmosphere with God and how Jesus wants to heal people. He wants to use us as agents, earthly agents, in order to um, bless and minister to people. And what not is that? To, not to condemn or judge, not to judge exactly. or condemn people, but to actually be a healing agent towards people. Sometimes that means tough love, but many times. Maybe it's just a um, maybe it's a caring heart towards well, somebody. Think about it. Does it mean closer self inspection? And what does he say if you're going to judge somebody? He says, "Get the log out of your own eye first. Right, right. If you're going to take a look at somebody else, get the log out of your own eye first. Because if you don't, you won't be able to see the little speck in the guy. So what do you got to do to get a splinter out of somebody else's eye? Well, you know, I've gotten <laughs> a splinter in my hand, and you got You need to. You got to get real you, close. You need to get a, you know, a flashlight. You got to get a light. You got to inspect it, or you, maybe a, a the pin of a needle. You know. Now, what to, if I don't care about you and I'm trying to dig that sliver out? Right. You're just. Am gonna I going to hurt you? Cut the finger off. I'm going to do it in the darkness. I'm going to get, uh, you know. And well, I, that's interesting. Sometimes people do come and, you know, just kind of cut people down instead That's, of yeah. being willing to get involved with somebody. Yeah, but if I'm, yeah, if I'm not, if I don't want to hurt you, if I really care about you and you got a splinter in your eye or in your finger or whatever, I've got to get intimate with you. I'm going to try not to hurt you. But my goal is to get the splinter out with, with hurt, giving you the minimal amount of pain. And that's going to require a lot of light. Right. And a lot of closeness. Right. And that light comes from God. It's it God's light. only comes light. from God. Yes. It's God's light. And I can't manufacture that light, and I can't manufacture that caring. My responsibility is to get the log out of my own eye so mm-hmm. I can at least see and look at the situation uh, objectively. Right. With the proper mindset rather than the judging mindset. Right. You know, one of the mix- misconceptions... Uh, that impair a greater harvest of spiritual fr- fruit is the mis- misconception about sin. Many, pe- uh, many people view sin as simply breaking one of God's rules. And of course, the trouble with disobeying one of his rules is it requires him to impose a penalty, the minimum being death. But this is a fundamental misunderstanding about sin, which leads to serious misconceptions about God's distortions, that get incorporated into worship and consequently impair the healing of the mind. That's right, because the real problem with sin is that sin itself damages and destroys us. It will destroy the sinner and it also damages other. Because sin mars the image of God within, persistence in sin brings its own punishment, and that punishment is death. People who cling to sinful living lower ourselves we lower ourselves from being beings created with dignity, nobility, and intelligence to nothing more than animals, mindless creatures of instinct. Reason and conscience eventually disappear, and the animal passions will take control. That's right. And, you know, the it, the Bible is very, very clear on this. It's, it states it so clearly. The wages of sin is death. In the book of James... Sin, when it is full-grown, brings forth death. He who sows to the carnal nature from that nature reaps destruction. You know, when when reason and conscience are, are, are eroded away and, and they disappear and animal passions take the full control, but for me, because I'm a recovery alcoholic and drug addict, I, would, I just like to call any times those animal passions take over, I, I call it untreated alcoholism, 
whether because alcoholism comes in many different forms. You can get drunk on your emotions. You can get drunk on anger. You can get drunk on resentments and be awake at three in the morning resenting someone and running that through your mind and in a stupor, mm-hmm. in a totally uncontrollable stupor. And these thoughts, when these thoughts come in and they control your mind and your behavior and make you edgy and anxious, that's untreated alcoholism. It's just a different form. Well, maybe it needs to be... I know alcoholism, but maybe a lot of a, a lot of people can't identify. So sure. maybe it needs to be sinism, sinism, <laughs> right? Selfishism, yes. whatever you know. Right, uh, it's untreated, you know. And how do we treat it? We've got to tell God where it hurts, mm-hmm. and and ask Him to come in and deal with it because this this is where His power is. It's that right because I think a lot of times we can think of of sinning as doing an act like it's say and that's why I believe Jesus tells the story that. Um, uh, you think that um, committing adultery is wrong, but to even think about committing adultery is wrong. And a lot of people like to make a distinction yeah. that there is no that there is a distinction between those two. But what Jesus is trying to communicate at that point is that if you're thinking about that, you are changing your brain. You are becoming something that is out of harmony with God's will and God's principles and God's design. And that's what happens with sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think about it, what kind of damage is a man doing if he's thinking about committing adultery? What is he doing if he's thinking about that? What is he doing to the relationship with him and his wife? Well, he's he's not thinking about that he's relationship. He's not thinking about that relationship, right. number one, and he's damaging himself. Mm-hmm. But be, And his act, wife. Yeah, the actual act of stealing, the actual act of, of, of covetousness, uh, of of adultery they are manifestations they're they're just the symptom of a disease of a selfish heart right that's all they are so we look at the acts and then we try we ju- we judge the heart on that we, and and see god says that's why you can't judge somebody because you don't know what's what's going on in their heart uh, we're just too busy looking at behavior rather than saying that per- the person is suffering from fear and selfishness right because because it kind of lulls us into a sense of um that well, as long as I didn't do it, I only thought about it. I'm okay. But it's, um, you know, I think it's in Proverbs or the Psalms is as a, as a man, man thinks, thinks in his heart, so is he. Correct, and and yeah. that's because we are really changed by what we think, and you know, mm. our brains are physically changed. Yeah, you bet. You know, people assume that God hates sin because it just it's breaking of His rules, but that's that's not why He hates sin. He hates sin because it damages his children. You know, you don't want your child doing drugs. You don't want your child out stealing stuff. You don't want your child hanging around with the wrong people. Not because it's a rule that you have, mm-hmm. but because it's damaging your child. Right. It's the same thing with God. All, with all these acts that, that we act out as God's children, being, uh, being fearful and selfish... That's why he hates them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like to see you damaged. We don't have to live like that. Right. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to have resentments and anger if we put our full trust in him. Or covet someone else's things. Stuff. Right. Right? We cover it, coveting their stuff, mm-hmm. trying to fill that void, trying to fill that gap. That to be only good got, enough. To be know. good enough, or to at least appear good enough to everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, we all do it. Right. We all do it. We're all constantly looking for that other thing other than God. And the problem with that is 
it puts clutter between us and God, and all it's doing is giving us a temporary stopgap of maybe a little bit of pleasure here and there, but it's not bringing us closer to God. It may make you feel better temporarily, but it's not bringing you closer to God. Is it okay to have all this good stuff? It's okay to have nice stuff. It's okay to have nice aspirations, nice goals, and to plan and to live life like that. But when that stuff comes in the place of God, or we rest our satisfaction or thinking, I didn't, when I was an addict, it was going to be the next bag or the next bottle that was going to do it. You know, I just, it was always the next, the always next, searching. the next, the right. next. Mm-hmm. And for me, it didn't work. I finally realized that that, that, that search, I've searched everywhere. You know, Solomon's confession, mm-hmm. I've searched everywhere. And I finally came back to God. Because it was all vanity. It was all vanity. I've searched everywhere. And it seems like the last house on the block is the one we finally find God. That's right. And I did. I searched every darn house on the block. You know, so uh, folks, you can get a copy of the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison, by uh, just giving us a phone call, 916-645-1297. Susan will get one out to you. Uh, Let us know. Uh, we're, We're actually shipping a lot out. They're a real fun book, very well illustrated, very well done. And remember, folks, we got to go now, so there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose, There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.